Hey, this is Mr. Anderson Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Peak Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Furman's secrets of WCW Nitro. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. Happy to be back here on the show after a long absence. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. I know we took a little hiatus. You know, you've, you've been busy. I've been busy. Mark has been, I guess, more busier than the both of us combined. So he's not with us today. He's doing some stuff with the UFC. He's a little uh, backed up with watching WWE lately. So uh, I'm not sure if he knows what's, what's been going on. But uh, like like old days, just me and you, man. Sounds good. He's out on assignment again. Like I said, Mark's a very busy man, but hopefully we can have him back here on the show in the not-so-distant future. So, yeah, man, um, Extreme Rules happened this sun, uh, this past Sunday. Of course, we had Raw and SmackDown. Uh, all this stuff, you know, other stuff outside the ring, you know, Hulk Hogan being back, I guess, in, in some capacity in the Hall of Fame. They're doing a, a, a 24 video thing on him. Um, and some other stuff we'll, we'll get into, but first, uh, extreme rules happened again, uh, last Sunday. Uh, I thought it was okay. Not again, not the greatest pay-per-view, uh, before we got on the air, you said you wasn't a fan of it, but let's go right through it real quick. Um, we have new tag team champions on the raw side. The B team defeated Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Were you, uh, were you surprised? I know me, you did not do the predictions so we're kind of going mm-hmm. off the rip right now but um did you expect the b team to be victorious and win the tag by uh tag belts on sunday i honestly didn't i can't say many people were expecting the b team to go over i mean booking one-on-one the challengers win every match going into the pay-per-view and then the champions ultimately retain uh the b team had won every single match against matt hardy and their respective tag team matches leading up to extreme rules mm. so the fact they actually won the pay-per-view shocked me um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the title change. I thought Hardy and Wyatt were better fits for the belts. But really, what have they done with the championship since winning them back in April? So is it really that big of a difference? Is it really going to make the Raw Tag Team division mean any less than it currently does? Um, we'll see where it goes. I'm not a big B-team fan. I find them to be entertaining, but only to a certain extent. They're glorified jobbers at this point. They basically have their belts on jobbers. That's what it is. They I mean they could very well lose the belts right back to Hardy and Wyatt on next week's Raw when they invoke their rematch clause for the championship. We'll see. Uh, the title change did surprise me though. It kicked off the night on a on a weird note because I mean it was an all right match. The title change took me by surprise, but it did not make me all too optimistic about the future of Raw's tag team division to say the least. Um, I think if we had done the review show, I would have picked the, I, I would have picked the B team. Um, as you mentioned, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt haven't done haven't done much with the, with the tag belts, uh, and then again, just just seeing a new tag team, you know, up and coming, if you want to call it that, just having new tag team champions um, with with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, you know, let let's see what they can do. You know, they've been riding the, you know, I want to say ride the coattails, but they were behind the Miz the whole this whole time, and now they. They kind of got a fresh start and see what they can do on their own. Uh, new new characters that they're more funny, more more you know entertaining. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I think if we did the the, the preview show, I would have picked the B team. Um, Finn Balor Finn Balor defeated uh, Baron Corbin. Not much really to go off here. Uh, I think we both would have picked Finn Balor, right? Yeah. Um. You know what? Actually, I would have picked Baron Corbin just because. Really. For some reason, they have a hard-on for Baron Corbin right now. I mean, I like Baron Corbin. The guy is all right, but the whole Constable Corbin shit does nothing for me. They have to build up heels, so I thought, you know, Corbin might win. But really, Balor, Corbin, the real loser here was the fucking fans. The match did nothing for him. He belonged on Raw. It wasn't a bad match, but with nothing at stake, there was absolutely zero reason to care. And, I mean, there doesn't have to be a doesn't have to be a number one contenders match or a championship match every single time or a stipulation match even, even though it should be on Extreme Rules, but whatever. The, the feud just wasn't interesting. They've just been trading wins back and forth for weeks. Right. Why should I give a shit? So I expected Corbin to win, Balor winning by 
uh, a roll-up was like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, I'd rather have Balor when the guy deserves a lot better than this lifeless program. But unfortunately, it looks like based off the finish, the feud is not yet over. So expect more Balor and Corbin matches in the coming weeks. Carmella defeated Asuka to retain her SmackDown Women's title. Uh, they had Ellsworth in the cage, and you know we all know how that shit went down. But Carmella defeated Asuka. Uh, I guess you want to call it clean in the ring. Um, one, did you expect Carmella to win the match at all? And two, um, what did you make? You know, again, a lot of fans are on Twitter, and oh my god, they're, they're treating Oscar like she's this, and she's they're booking her terrible, and blah blah blah. You know, are, are you one of those that hey, did they, they really? You know, they built up Oscar to be undefeated and go to WrestleMania, and then she loses to Charlotte, and now ever since WrestleMania. She's been like on this steady, I wouldn't say decline, but she's just kind of stagnant. Again, Carmella, you shocked she won. And what do you take of how they've been booking Oscar lately since WrestleMania? With Carmella winning, I wasn't surprised. She was my pick to win, and I'm fine with her winning as long as Becky Lynch is the one to take the title from her at SummerSlam. And it makes the most sense. People are very behind Lynch right now, which I'm shocked by just because, I mean, I know she's won matches in recent months. Mm -hmm. But before that, they've been booking her like a fucking loser for at least a year and a half now. So it's really surprising that people are still behind her, which is great to see. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, she was the one that got screwed over for the Money in the Bank briefcase last year by Carmella. Her and Carmella have gone back and forth for well over a year now it makes the most sense for her to be the one not asuka to take that title from carmella at SummerSlam, and we very well might get that if she beats carmella one-on-one on smackdown next week as for asuka first of all the match sucked this was absolutely awful with yeah. carmella as champion i'm not gonna say carmella is the dirt worst because she does have charisma she can talk on the mic mm-hmm. she doesn't really get much of a reaction mind you but just in the ring she's a atrocious she is fucking <laughs> terrible i'm sorry this match was awful the james ellsworth stuff does nothing for me i literally sat on my hands and money the bank when i was there when he came back like we all knew it was gonna happen but like why fire him in the first place if you were just gonna bring him right back six months later he adds nothing to the act she herself is just i don't know she's lacking something it must be the in-ring ability because she sucks in the ring with oscar though it's sad to see i'm not saying that she should have been undefeated for 10 years straight um, but just it's, I mean, I said at the time when, when Oscar lost, it wasn't the worst thing. As long as the aftermath was there, the aftermath has been fucking terrible. There has really been no aftermath there with, with Oscar. She lost the WrestleMania clean. Okay. Whatever. She tapped that, whatever. And then she's not on TV for like months and months and months. She randomly got a title shot for no apparent reason at Money in the Bank, despite not doing anything of note on SmackDown since being drafted to the show. Loses at Money in the Bank like a loser because she got distracted. Then she lost like a loser again at Extreme Rules because she got distracted. They are booking Asuka like every other woman, every other person on that roster. And it's such a shame to see because she came in with so much buzz. Mm. And NXT, when she first got called up, um, late last year, she won the Women's Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, she doesn't have to be undefeated, but she that aura, whatever unstoppable aura they have about her that, that she once had is completely gone. Any momentum that she once had has been completely, totally, entirely diminished. And I'm not sure how they can get it back. And I mean, I was thinking, I was talking to someone a few days ago. They had mentioned to me, hey, what if, you know, Becky wins the belt at SummerSlam? Then what if they did an Asuka-Becky feud in the fall? Honestly, I would be all for that, assuming... Um, Asuka's the heel. And SmackDown really needs a top women's heel right now that people can get behind. Car- Again, Carmella has some traits that are good in the ring, though. She just can't cut it. Um, the iconic duo is great, but they're just just another – again, another two women on the roster. They really have not not done much to impress people since being called up. And Rose and DeVille are just kind of like, eh, they're just kind of there too. Um, Charlotte's a much better heel than a babyface. I'm not sure if they'll turn her anytime soon. She hasn't even been on TV in a while. Mm-hmm. But I think Asuka can fit that role. I think to really salvage Asuka, they can turn her heel, have her embark on a heel run like she was on in NXT where she was really in her element. And hopefully that can redeem whatever bad booking they've done to her since WrestleMania. I mean, I, I think the question I have for you is, is kind of like why, you know, and the same thing goes for Nakamura, and I'll get to I'll get to him next uh, with, with the whole Jeff Hardy match. But it seems like you know you just mentioned how all the hype and all this around her is kind of like dead. Um, she won the Royal Rumble. Nakamura won the Royal Rumble, and everybody thought they both were going to be the champion um, walking out of WrestleMania, but they both lost. And 
it seemed like Oscar can't beat Carmella. It seemed like Nakamura can't beat AJ Styles. Um, he, Nakamura is now, you know, at the time fighting for the U.S. title. He's U.S. champion now. Oscar can't beat Carmella, and it, it, it's funny how it seemed like they've both been down a similar path of booking. Again, it's not their fault, but the way they they've been uh, portraying them is like. They can't get a victory and they, they can't become champion. It, it doesn't matter to me because I, I didn't I felt them being champion at that time was a little too quick. So I, I, I like the slow build, but it, it kind of makes me just, just, just wonder why they've been booking Oscar this this kind of way. And the same thing for Nakamura. With Nakamura, I'm not really as disappointed with him. I mean, the whole the, the several losses to. AJ Styles, it was like, okay, he probably should have won one match, but whatever. Yeah. With Nakamura, whatever hype that he had when he came to the main roster was quickly diminished by, like, SummerSlam last year. So it's not like recently. I mean, I know he won the Rumble, but it's been a massive roller coaster for him this year. But it, with him, I'm not as disappointed because they've already proven once before they don't see him as that top-tier star that many other people do. Um, I mean, look, I mean, going back to late last year when he lost to Jinder, like a back-to-back pay-per-views, that was when Nakamura started to feel real cold, and he lost several pay-per-views in a row. Um, so thankfully, he's kind of redeemed himself. He's now the United States champion. Again, a lot like Asuka, he was the one who should have gone heel. He did. It was something I think a lot of people didn't know they wanted until it happened, and he's been a lot better as a heel, so he can take the losses, and he's not as cold as he once was. Um, so I'm happy about that. Asuka is just a different story because they had built up something real special in the streak. They ended it the way they did, which, again, is fine. It's not like she lost a fucking on Raw to Dana Brooke or something. Could have been a lot worse. Um, but just losing to Carmella for a woman that went undefeated for almost three years, losing to one of the worst wrestlers on the roster in the fashion that she has the last two months is ridiculous. So again, they, the, the, the issue with this company, I think above all else, is that you know everyone argues they don't have stars. They don't have the next Rock. They don't have the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. But every time they do, that has, they have someone that has a lot of popularity and a lot of buzz, they make them feel like every other person on the roster. And they did that with Asuka, and they've done that so far. I mean, again, it could be worse. She could not be on the show at all. She could be losing a Mandy Rose in five minutes on SmackDown. But, again, just based off where she was even a year ago, even let alone six months ago, mm-hmm. um, it's real disappointing to see how they've been booking Asuka. But, again, she's not damaged goods. She can be saved with a turn or two um, in, the, in the coming future. So we get to Nakamura, Jeff Hardy, in a classic five-second match. Um, again, <laughs> I would have picked Nakamura going into the match, but I guess none of us saw this match go in five seconds. Um, listen, any reason why you think this match went so short? I mean, it's no secret that Hardy is banged up right now. He's got several injuries that he's recovering from. They okay. did have a longer length, like a, like a full length match on SmackDown, which surprised me. I figured, okay, okay Hardy's going to lose at the pay per view. He lost very quickly. I thought they did that because Hardy was leaving as soon as. Sunday night, um, but no, he had the rematch on Tuesday, probably just to get out of the way. Um, I mean, I guess they could do the three-way at SummerSlam with Orton, Hardy, and Nakamura, but like, the guy needs to take time off. I guess he could do it after SummerSlam, and he wouldn't have to do as much in a three-way, mm-hmm. but it looks it's very apparent that he's beat up right now. He's got to take time off. I was fine with the way they did it, just because it made Nakamura look really, really smart, which is good. They don't have many heels like that in the roster right now, so I like that they did that. Um, and it got the championship on Nakamura, which was the end game anyway, because the guy needed something after all those losses to AJ Styles to bounce back from or bounce right. back with. And the championship was the answer to that. So I like this a lot. I thought the way they played it out was great. The Orton stuff was the cherry on top. Um, I have not been interested, along with many other people, in the Randy Orton character for a long ass time now. But not just the fact that he's heel. Like he's a much better heel, but he could also be a boring heel. It's not the fact that he's a heel. It's the fact of how he turned heel and who he turned heel on and just the endless possibilities of him as a heel on SmackDown. So I like it. I like it. Just the, the stuff on SmackDown got people talking, the ear thing, and it was so cringeworthy, but like not a cringeworthy Carmella match, but like cringeworthy as in like, oh, God, like why did I just watch that? Um, not like in a raw way, but like in a, oh, wow, that was crazy way. And I got people talking on Twitter on Tuesday, which is great. Mm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. If Hardy's going to stick around until SummerSlam or take time off as soon as this week, I'm not sure. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't against the way they took the title off him on Sunday. I thought it protected him, if only just because he lost with one move, but just because he got low blowed beforehand. So he was by no means buried at Extreme Rules. 
I think Randy Orton is like right behind the big show for heel turns. He's got to be. I mean, the guy's turned hit face and heel so many times <laughs> I lost track three years ago. But but it's funny because I guess most fans would they wouldn't mind that they would they would prefer a heel turn for from Randy Orton than than the Big Show. But I like I like Orton coming out there doing um, the heel turn against Jeff Hardy on Sunday and Tuesday. Interesting to see where that goes. Um, if Jeff Hardy is banged up, then that'll probably probably be a way to write him off TV for for a couple of weeks or a month, whatever the case may be. Um, but then, like it, it seemed like he was helping Nakamura. Then, like on Tuesday, he did say, "Where's Shinsuke?" So apparently, he's he's looking for Nakamura as well. But um, I, so, do you think it's a full blown heel turn, or do you think that? they'll shift the focus to Randy Orton trying to regain his U.S. title back from Nakamura. I mean, it, it could be a tweener turn. He's by no means a full-fledged babyface. He absolutely mm. cannot be after that angle they pulled on Tuesday night. It got so much heat. There is no way that is a uh, babyface Randy Orton. I mean, if they wanted to do a tweener thing with Nakamura as the heel, Hardy as the face, Orton as the tweener, I guess because I mean again, let's assume Orton or let's assume Hardy's out of the picture. Are you going to do a heel Orton versus heel Nakamura at SummerSlam? It just seems weird, um, unless you throw someone else in there. Like, uh, what other baby faces do they have? I'm not even sure really who else they could throw in there in the mid card at the moment because everyone else is a heel at the moment. I don't know. Um, but yeah, with Orton, he's got to be a heel. I would much prefer that. I mean, after Sunday, I was thinking, okay, he's more of a, like a badass baby face. Uh-huh. But then after Tuesday, I'm like, okay, he's definitely a heel. I mean, again, it's not just what he did, but also who he did it on. Jeff Hardy is one of the most beloved baby faces in the entire company. Mm-hmm. They would not go to great lengths to have him just, just physically abuse uh, Jeff Hardy to the point that they did. If he wasn't going to be turning heel, like so, I, I I'm pretty sure it's going to be a full fledged heel turn from Randy Orton. So you weren't a fan of hoodie vest, Randy Orton, huh? Nah, not really. I mean, <laughs> at least not in 2018. I think the last time I was truly invested in Randy Orton was when he was doing the Wyatt family stuff. When he was a part of the Wyatt family, after that it was all downhill. The whole hoodie, like it's like, what did he even? What was he even doing? Like, what was the, even the character? Not even that he has to have a character because he's Randy friggin' Orton, but it's like, the guy was stale as month old bread at that point. Like, they needed to do something with him, give him something to sink his teeth into, because even he seemed bored. And it seems like this was the ticket. So I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Okay, so I'm trying to think of all the heel turns of Randy Orton in the last five, ten years. He had the authority heel turn stuff. Um, we had him with him with Legacy with Cody Rhodes and DiBiase. We had, uh, I mean, the stuff with the wife family. I think out of all of those, I think his best heel run from those three, aside from Evolution, would have been the Legacy stuff. And if I had to rank them, Legacy. Authority Wyatt, I think because the the the, the legacy and the authority went a lot uh, a lot longer than the whole Wyatt angle, and you just couldn't tell whether Randy was fully heel or or just kind of fucking fucking with uh, with Bray Wyatt, but um his 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 time with, with legacy it's classic, and I think I, his time with the authority is classic too. Yeah, the authority stuff didn't do much for me just because he, I don't know, he felt like a loser at that point, just in my <laughs> opinion. I mean, the, the heel turn was great. It was almost It's almost been five years since he went heel on Daniel Bryan, yeah, the wow. line of Triple H. It was a great angle. The authority itself was shit. Um, but if I had to say Orton's best heel run, I mean, the guy was on fire. You can't forget during Evolution, like you said, his run as Intercontinental Champion as the Legend Killer, the Legend Killer stuff was classic. Mm-hmm. That was what really got him over, let's be honest. That's what got him beloved and turned into a babyface for a short time in late 04, early 05. Um, but yeah, his best heel run has got to be the 09 run when he was part of the legacy, like you said, and feeding with the McMahons, punting people, making out with Stephanie in the middle of the ring after she was knocked out. Like That was some pretty heavy stuff. And um, he was so good as a heel that people 
could not help but start cheering him by the end of 09. That's yeah. why he became a baby face. And he was also a great face. He's not always been a bad baby face. He was a great face when he initially turned um, in like 2010. The reactions that he was getting that summer were unreal. You go back to Night of Champions 2010 when he won the WWE title and six-pack challenge from Sheamus. The reaction he got from the Chicago crowd who notoriously has pooped all over Randy Orton, they loved him that night. It was great. Um, yeah, but you know, the heel stuff and Wyatt family, that was good too. But yeah, I would say his best run period was definitely legacy in 09. I thought that was when Orton really peaked as a character. The apex predator stuff, I thought was great. Yeah. He definitely had some great matches with, um, during that, that face turn was, um, Christian. And then, oh yeah, definitely. The The um, Christian matches, Mark Henry, he put over in a big way. Wade Barrett, he helped put over at one point. Um, even during, you know, and, and throughout 2010, he had some good matches with Sheamus and a few other people over the course of that year as well. Edge, The Miz, he helped put over in a big way. Orton, you know, has put over a lot more people than I think people realize, so he deserves credit for that. Yeah, and even a very underrated match at WrestleMania 27 was him and CM Punk. I completely forgot about that, but you were absolutely right. That feud was good, and the match was great. I would call that one of the biggest underrated gems in recent WrestleMania history, if only because people hate that show, and rightfully so because it sucked. But, you know, that match was great, though. I agree. So for those of you who haven't seen Orton CM Punk WrestleMania 27, I'm not a fan of of the entire show, but if there is a match to see, aside from Triple H and Taker, Go ahead and check out uh, CM Punk, Randy Orton. Um, up next, we had Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman, KO defeated, if, if you want to call it that. Defeated Braun Strowman in a steel cage match. Um, about nine minutes, KO got thrown off the top of the cage by Braun Strowman. Uh, kind of, I read somewhere, or somewhere on Twitter that um, the event was in Pittsburgh, and then it was 20 years after... Uh, 20 years later that they had the King of the Ring 98 in Pittsburgh with Taker and Mankind stuff, and now Kevin, Kevin Owens gets thrown off the top of the cage. You know, it, it is what it is, and I thought it was uh, a decent match, good bump. Um, and then KO beat him because he left the cage <laughs> before Braun. Um, did you expect KO to quote-unquote win this match? I don't think it hurts Braun Strowman going forward. He still has the briefcase. And does it do anything for Kevin Owens getting thrown thrown off the top of the fucking cage? Um, I mean, I thought it was a great visual. The match itself, I thought, was entertaining. Not as, like, a match, but, like, yeah. Owens selling for Strowman was great. This feud's been up and down. I mean, it really has not done anything for either guy. It makes Strowman, moreover than anything, look like a complete bully. Because Owens never at any point has done anything to justify Strowman making his life a living hell. Yeah. Including this bump here. He looked like a total asshole for just throwing the match away and just inflicting punishment on Owens for more than he needed to, more than he had to. So I thought that was weird. It was a great spot, though, like you said. I don't know if it was intentional that they did it in the same city 20 years removed from the King of the Ring spot. Um, They made no mention of that on commentary, either on Sunday or on Monday's Raw. So I'm not sure. But um, I did think it was a a cool spot. I'm shocked they would even do that in 2018, to be honest with you. WWE is so safe nowadays with stuff when it comes to spots and whatever that I did not think they would even attempt that. But they did. Now, I know Shane McMahon has done it like three times in the last couple of years. But it's the boss's son. He can get away with it. But they trusted Owens enough to take a crazy-ass spot like that, which is insane. That guy is the real MVP. Um, But, you know, I was fine with the way that it played out. I don't know how it's going to – I mean, I assume the feud's not over. Um, hopefully Owens is back at some point a little later on. They don't bring him back so quickly just because he should sell the injuries, um, whatever. But, you know, it, it was a definitely a memorable moment, to say the least, on a pay-per-view that really needed it. Well, I, I assume they had to do something crazy because this pay-per-view was called Extreme Rules and nothing else prior to that was extremish or anything like that. We have basic singles matches, a tag team match. Uh, somebody in, in a fucking shark cage. So nothing else great happened like that as far as extreme rules. So I guess, I guess at that time they felt like, hey, let's do something crazy, and you know, that's what it was. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was easily the most extreme thing about this pay per view. <laughs> Otherwise, this was standard rules twenty seven yeah, or twenty eighteen, whatever. This was not a good show. A um, lot of. You know, pretty standard rules matches, but for what it was. But, yeah, no, I thought it was a great spot. They needed it because this pay-per-view otherwise was not extreme in the slightest. Uh, 
Talking, speaking about not extreme, the Bludgeon Brothers defeated Team Hell No. I was skipping through this match. Uh, I skipped through earlier, and I was watching it, and it, it dawned on me, like, why is Daniel Bryan by himself? And then Kane came out with a fucking boot. Uh, this is <laughs> medical boot. I'm like, what's going on here? The Bludgeon Brothers won the match. I, I didn't really pay that much attention to it. It went about eight minutes. Um, I would have picked Bludgeon Brothers to, to beat Hell No anyway. Um, so I, I guess that's it for Team Hell No, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they do going forward with this. I was fine with the fact they lost. I was going to pick them to lose anyway, like you said. This I, I've said this a million times over the last month, but there was really no reason for this to go any longer. The past Extreme Rules, the whole Team Hell No reunion thing. It was fun while it lasted. It yep. was great for a night. The whole hug, the great pop. Daniel Bryan is so over, they are wasting him in the tag team division. So it was so – it should have happened in the first place. Joe wasn't even on his show. Samoa Joe was not even on this pay-per-view. They could have utilized right. this spot for Samoa Joe, but fuck it, whatever. Um, <laughs> they wanted to do their reunion, whatever. Uh, Kane has other things to do with the mayor or the uh, mayor shit in Knoxville County, Tennessee. So yeah. um, I assume he's got that going on now that he's off TV. I think he is legit hurt. That might have been an actual injury that he had in this match that he was suffering from. But so people got the whole team L no thing out of their systems. We can finally move forward into Miz and Brian going to SummerSlam, which I'm super excited by. But yeah, no, it was fun. Um, I'm happy with the result. Brian can finally move on. SmackDown needs some good top faces at the top of the card right now. And Brian fits that bill. So at least they did not, you know, extend it past the pay-per-view as they uh, as they feared that they might. Well, Graham, I know you were uh, extremely happy, no pun intended, extremely happy watching Extreme Rules when you saw Roman Reigns lose clean in the ring. Um, would you have picked Bobby Lashley to win this match before the pay-per-view, and were you surprised that Reigns lost clean 1-2-3 in the middle of the ring? Yeah, I was surprised. I was going to pick Roman to win, but I mean, it does make sense just because this was not a number one contenders match. We are getting that next week on Raw and the exact same match between yeah. Bobby and Roman. So obviously Roman's winning there. They just wanted to give Bobby a win just to give him something. And he needed this win a lot more than Roman. Roman has already beaten Samoa Joe in recent months. He beat Jinder last month. Bobby beats Sammy at Money in the Bank, too, but the guy has been ice cold since coming back to the company. He needed the big win and proved that he can still go in the ring to an extent. I mean, like, he never really could go in the ring, but he needed a good match here, and he did. I thought it was an entertaining match, a lot better than I thought it would be. The crowd didn't shit all over it that I thought, that as I feared that they might, and Bobby got the clean win. No bullshit, no, you know, foot on the rope or no yeah. interference, whatever. I thought that was a, a pleasant surprise, the right over but again don't let this distract you from what's about to happen next week bobby <laughs> is losing to roman reigns and roman reigns is going to beat brock for that belt at SummerSlam, regardless of whether braun cashes in or not the year and a half long reign title reign from brock lesnar is ending at the hands of roman reigns so it's what's happening people just got to accept it but yeah i'm glad bobby at least got one win i appreciate that at least you know what for a second i thought it would have been seth and roman next monday night uh well Monday night on Raw to to find out who will face Brock at SummerSlam, but again we're getting Bobby or Roman Part Two. I, I think all signs point towards Roman uh, beating Bobby Lashley uh, to fight Brock Lesnar yet again, which is something I, I don't mind seeing. I know you mind seeing, but um, again Re Roman Bobby Lashley on Raw again to determine who will fight Brock at SummerSlam. Uh, we'll get to Brock in a bit. Alexa Bliss defeated Nia Jax to retain her Raw Women's title in a Extreme Rules match. Um, then we have Rousey uh, front row. She got provoked. She got involved in hitting Mickey James and trying to catch Alexa Bliss. And lo and behold, Alexa Bliss retains her title. Uh, what did you make of this match and the involvement of Ronda Rousey in this match? Fucking terrible. The match was awful. I'm <laughs> sorry. The match was terrible. Uh, Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, I held out hope that maybe because they have, you know, weapons at their disposal, at their disposal, they can make this a decent match. They didn't. This sucked. This was awful. So overbooked with the interference from Natalia and Mickey James and Ronda. Now, don't get me wrong. I thought the usage of Ronda here and on Raw was great. I'm loving what they're doing with Ronda Rousey right now. Me too, yeah. Weird hairstyles aside. I'm not sure what's going on there. But, you know, in terms of being a badass, this is exactly what they wanted to see from Ronda in WWE. They're finally friggin' doing it. So, I love it. Thought it was great. The crowd loved it. 
The crowd loves Ronda more than the actual match, which is not saying a lot because the match sucked anyway. But at least Alexa won. We are getting Ronda and Blessed SummerSlam, as I've said multiple times. That is the real money match at that pay-per-view for that belt. So I'm looking forward to it. They work well together with a whole, like, oh, I'm going to run away because I'm scared type thing. And then Ronda can't really... Like, she has yet to break the arm of Mickey James or Alexa Bliss. So she'll get that at SummerSlam, which is cool. But, again, I thought the match itself was awful, but at least it was filler to kind of bridge the gap between this pay-per-view and SummerSlam when we ultimately get Ronda and Alexa Bliss one-on-one. Yeah, man. I've been loving how they've been using Ronda um, the last couple of days. And this is something that me, you, and Mark have have spoken about before where why can't she just, you know – come down from the aisle or come down from the crowd and have a mean face and looking to kick somebody's ass and do this and do that and be just be that dominant female that we all know her to be as opposed to her coming down the ramp and she's smiling, she's clapping hands and she looks happy to be there and this is the Ronda Rousey that, you know, the character Ronda Rousey, this is what, you know, I would assume we, we all wanted from, from, from the jump. Just be aggressive, be hardcore, do all this, do all that, and not the other whatever shit she was doing earlier, but um, she's going to get Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam. She's the number one contender for the, the, the Raw Women's title. That should be kind of fun in Barclays in Brooklyn. Um, again, I'm not sure if I'll be there. I'm not sure if you'll be there, but I think it'll be a very entertaining crowd with Roz, uh, Rousey, Alexa, uh, more than likely Brock and Roman. So if you're in Brooklyn that night, uh, it, should, it should be fun and entertaining. Um, AJ Styles defeated Rusev uh, for the WWE title. About 15 minutes long. I would assume we all would have had AJ winning. Uh, pretty pretty good match. I thought Rusev had a chance, but you know, I just feel AJ was going to walk into SummerSlam with, with the belt against who he fights against at SummerSlam. I have no idea. I, I'm hearing Samoa Joe might be the guy, but AJ Rusev at Extreme Rules. What do you think? I thought it was good. I thought it was honestly the best match of the entire show. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought Rusev had a great showing in defeat, proving that he is on the level of a guy like AJ Styles. Now, people came into the show well-knowing that AJ was going to win, um, that Rusev was not winning that championship so close to SummerSlam. AJ has come this far with that title. He's not going to drop it to Rusev. But again, I thought people bought into the near falls a lot more than I thought they would, so that was good. The, in- the in-ring action was exciting. The final few minutes were fantastic, I thought. And like I said, it did its job in keeping the belt on AJ, but also making Rusev out to look like a real threat to that title in the feed. So I thought this accomplished a lot. The only real nitpick or what I don't like about it or what I fear is that the finish was designed to tease tension between Rusev and Aiden English. Now, we did not see Rusev on SmackDown this week, but we did see Aiden English backstage with Lana, and it was teased that they might be breaking up. Um, Aiden and Rusev, that is, so Rusev can be with Lana, so as a TV pairing, whatever. So I would not break them up. Aiden is one of the best parts of that act. It's like when they broke up Rusev and Lana the first time, that benefited nobody, absolutely nobody. So I would not do that again. Um, but we'll see where it goes. But the match itself, I thought was great. And like I said, the match of the night at Extreme Rules. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a twofold kind of question. Um, when it comes to the WWE title, um, one, were you surprised that the Intercontinental Championship main evented Extreme Rules? That's number one. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I was, because I was expecting, maybe not AJ and Rusev, but based off how they were promoting this pay-per-view, I was absolutely expecting 100% for them to close with Roman and Bobby. So, yes, I was surprised by that. So now, as a fan, I know that the last time AJ main evented a pay-per-view defending the title was a Backlash um, back in March. Or was it Backlash? Hold up. Uh, Fastlane, Fast I think it was. Lane, yeah, whatever that shit is called, Fastlane. Um but the, as a fan, do you pay attention or does it bother you that it is the main title, it is the main title above you know, the IC belt and Universal, but it seems like it doesn't get the main event spot nowadays as it should, and it's no knock on AJ Styles. I think he should be main eventing these pay-per-views. Um, although I am happy that, that the Intercontinental title match went on last. I think that that, that is something different something that you don't normally see all the time. But you as a fan, does it kind of make you question why doesn't the WWE title main event pay-per-views as it should or as it was back in the day? 
No, yeah, it does bother me. I think the mid-card belts feel more important right now than the friggin' world titles, which is a big issue. Now, AJ's been doing a great job as champion, obviously, with all of his matches and work on the mic and whatever. But the way they positioned him feels like he's a second-rate star to the IC Championship. I mean, he has not headlined a pay-per-view in months. Um, he, you know, he comes across like a star on SmackDown, but has he closed an episode of SmackDown in a while? Like, I don't, I don't think so. They've really had the focus on everyone else but those guys. They've had the focus on Nakamura. They've had the focus on Jeff Hardy. They've had the focus on Team Hell No, on the women. Anyone really but AJ Styles, which is concerning. And you would think that now would be as good of a time as any to have that match, to have that championship close the pay-per-views, but it's not. And you would think it'd be closing the pay-per-views because the Universal Champion has not been around in many months. Well, well over a year overall, but it's like, you know, the WWE... You know, of um, Brock Lesnar not being around. And now that he is here, or now that AJ is around, they're not having him close the pay-per-view. So to me, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm looking back. I was, like, was going to say the last time he, while AJ was a champion, the last time he made invented a, a pay-per-view, although it was a SmackDown pay-per-view, but it was Clash of Champions back in, in December. Then you get fast lane in March, so you know you get a sprinkle of Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe. You get the Royal Rumbles. You get six pack challenge to for number one contendership. So you know AJ with him getting the belt um, from Jinder all those months ago. He he does the main event all the time, and he, I mean you would have thought he fought Nakamura four times. You would think at least one time he would main event a, a pay per view, but it just it, it just doesn't. And uh, I think once the once the universal title came into play, it's been all about Brock, all about the, the universal title. Even when um, Goldberg had it or Kevin Owens had it, um, it, it kind of has taken a higher spot more than the main title. And I mean, hopefully with these co branded pay per views. Um, like even even for SummerSlam, you know Graham, you know he's not made eventing SummerSlam. It's gonna be Brock and whoever did likely uh, Roman Reigns. So again, that's another show that the WWE title does not take you know president to being being the main event. And I just wanted to ask you if it bothers you or do you think now it just it's mainly mid card stuff. Mainly it's it's about the universal title. I mean, let's look at it this way, too. It's not even just a recent thing. I mean, I'm glad the IC title and the U.S. title feel more important because that was long overdue. I'm not denying that for a second, but right. the WWE title, the universal title means nothing. It really hasn't. I mean, Finn Balor lost it in a day. Kevin Owens was booked like shit during his title reign. Goldberg held it for a month, and Brock has barely been around since he won it and has benefited nobody. So that being said, the WWE title, not even recently, but like dating back to the brand split, has felt like an afterthought. Ever since the brand split started, the WWE title has been second rate to that Universal Championship. And the Universal title has not been bucked all that well anyway. Right. But like, I don't think we've ever had a joint pay-per-view where the WWE title went on last. I honestly cannot think of a single show where we had Raw and SmackDown stars on it that was not brand exclusive where the WWE Championship match went on last. It might be the best match of the night, but it never goes on last because Raw's their A-show, so Raw's got to go on last and whatever the fuck else. So... I know I heard rumors of SmackDown being taken seriously, and there's going to be a push for SmackDown to be the A-show starting when they move to Fox. It's mm. like, we've heard this shit o over a million times over the last 10 years. SmackDown may be a better show. It will never be the A-show. Until they start proving that by having SmackDown take precedence over Raw in situations like this, yeah. I will never believe that. So um, it does bother me. It won't surprise me when Brock main event SummerSlam. But even when the Universal Championship is around and it's around the waist of Braun or Roman or whoever, the WWE title will still take a backseat because it's a SmackDown championship, and that's just the way that it goes. Now the main event, we have a 30-minute Iron Man match for the Intercontinental Championship I was surprised that this was the main event. I, I was cool with it. Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins, Iron Man match. The first time, make sure I get this right. The first time a one-on-one -on -one Intercontinental Championship match has main evented a pay-per-view since SummerSlam 1992 with Bret Hart and the British Bulldog. And the first time a Intercontinental Championship match has been the the main event of, of, of a pay-per-view, but not a one-on-one -on -one match just in general, was 
Backlash 2001. I forgot who was in it. Probably a a multi-man match, but a one-on-one singles match. First time since Brett and the Bulldog SummerSlam 92 in Wembley. That is a fucking long time ago. Um, (laughs) You would would think at least one other time, IC title main evented one-on-one on a a pay-per-view show, but no. I thought it was a good match. Dolph uh, Dolph and Seth Rollins. uh, Dolph victorious it went it went into overtime five to four Dolph wins uh, I know you're not much of a fan of Dolph Ziggler but um they just kind of kind of paved the way where we can kind of send Seth Rollins off into the main title picture and kind of get somebody new for Dolph Ziggler to defend the IC title belt against I'm not so sure. I mean, they made it seem like Rollins still had unfinished business with Ziggler. I know he was in the three-way on Monday, which is why they did not interact on Raw, but it made mm-hmm. it seem like that they might have another match at SummerSlam. And I'm not even really sure why. Rollins has now failed to regain the belt twice in the rematch he had on Raw a few weeks ago, and now this match. Um, and he lost, not decisively the first time, but he lost decisively in this match. I know McIntyre got involved, but he still got in clean one, two, three. Yeah. So I don't know why you would do a rematch. They work very well together. Ziggler has been the best now than he has been in years. So I will give him that. I'm not a big Ziggler fan, but I will tell him that. I, I will say that, that he has been very, very good in this role as IC champion. I'm not sure where it goes from here. If he feuds mm. with McIntyre coming out of SummerSlam, I'm not sure. But I, the reason I say that Rollins and Ziggler will continue is really what else do you do with Rollins? There's really not much else you can do with Rollins. There's only one of two things that happens. One, he goes back for the IC Championship at SummerSlam, and I don't know what else can top an Iron Man match, but because that's like the be-all, end-all, but they'll probably fucking do some other dumb shit. Um, or you put him in the Universal title picture, which isn't happening because he lost on Monday's Raw. So if he's not going for the Universal title... There's no other heels for him to fit. What is he going to have a fucking match with Baron Corbin? Who cares? A match with no Jinder Mahal? Who cares? <laughs> Rollins is so over right now. That would be such a waste of Seth Rollins. So I do think he is getting that belt back. It's more a matter of when than if at this point. If he's not facing Brock, which he should have, but whatever. Um, so yeah, I think he is facing Ziggler again at SummerSlam. The feud has to continue. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but the matches have been good, so I can't complain. Again, I just hate the fact they're going to have to do another stipulation match after they just had an Iron Man match. Brett and Sean did not have a match the very next month after their WrestleMania 12 main event. Like, it, it doesn't work like that. Even John Cena and Randy Orton, after having a million matches for the WWE title in 2009, even they called it quits after their Iron Man match in 2009. Everyone ends their feuds in Iron Man matches for the most part. This is just stupid. So, But that's what I expect to happen come SummerSlam between Ziggler and Rollins. Yeah, but those matches were probably a full hour, so they Dolph and Seth have have another half hour to go. <laughs> they probably do it all over again. Oh my god, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I mean, I thought the match was good, but like you said, I just their first match or their second match on Raw went like a half hour anyway without any falls. So it just made no sense to me why their half hour match on Sunday had like seven falls. I thought that was really stupid. The match could have been better. The countdown clock shit from the crowd was annoying. Um, but it was at least a good match, though. A good main event for the show. And, and you know what? You're right. When, when Brett and Sean did it, uh, again, you know, Brett had the hiatus. Sean, I doubt he was fighting the next night on Raw. Seth did a, uh, 30, 30 minutes, and he's he's back at it again on Raw in the triple threat match. But, um, I mean, for me, I think they do it. I think they do it, do it one more time. Um, what could be kind of cool, which hypothetically speaking, fantasy booking is, you know, you do with Dolphin Seth uh, at SummerSlam, whatever stipulation you want to put. But then, like, talking about when, when is Dean Ambrose coming back? Because I have this thing in my head, like, Dean can, like, call Seth the match for some odd reason, and they start their shit all over again. I was thinking that months ago. I thought it would happen at, like, Backlash or Money in the Bank or even this pay-per-view. It, it didn't. Um, I think the current rumor is that he'll be back after SummerSlam. Uh. So I I don't think he'll be back before then. It would be cool if he was. I don't think he will be. Um, But it would make sense. I mean, I think it'd make more sense if you had Rollins and Ambrose feeding over the IC title. Um, So, I mean, I guess Jason Jordan should be back anytime now. Those two guys would be great rivals for, for Rollins, more so than fucking Baron Corbin or Jinder Mahal or 
even Kevin Owens, which we've seen a million times. I like J- Jordan or Ambrose. I mean, or Ambrose and Rollins we've seen before, but now with Ambrose as the heel. That's something new. Um, so I definitely would take that, but I don't know. Uh, well, time will tell, but I think that's not happening until after SummerSlam, so we're going to have to wait a little longer for Rollins to uh, get a real feud that I can care about again. So if, real quick, if they take if they take Seth Rollins away from the IC title picture, who are two two three guys that you feel like can uh, maybe not right away, but kind of kind of climb that ladder and 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 go at Dolph for or be like number one contenders for for Dolph? Could it be Finn Balor? Could it be Elias? Is there anybody out there you feel like you know what this this guy and Dolph can really go at it for for the IC title? Well, like I said, there's really no one that interests me at the moment except for Jordan and probably Ambrose, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Corbin, absolutely not. Jinder, absolutely not. Owens and Rollins, we've seen it before. Um, they don't have many other heels. Ro- uh, Rollins and Brock, again, like I said, would be awesome, but I just I don't I don't see it happening. Obviously, it can't at this point. So I, I'm not really sure. I don't really know what else you can do with Rollins. Rollins and McIntyre was great, and that Raw last week in the main event of Raw – but you can't really do Rollins and McIntyre without incorporating Ziggler somehow. So I'd be fine for a three-way, but the issue is that, again, Rollins does not deserve another title shot. That's the problem here. Mm. I think it would have made more sense if you had Rollins win on Sunday and then Ziggler had his rematch and McIntyre can also say, oh, I get a title shot because I beat you last week in Raw. That would have made more sense. But McIntyre and Ziggler aren't feuding or they didn't turn on each other. And Rollins, you know, he lost again. So why would you do a three-way? So that's what I would have done. We're not getting that. I, I Like I said, we'll probably just get Ziggler and Rollins one-on-one. If it's not Rollins, I don't know who else you have Ziggler feud with. Because he beat Bobby Roode on Monday, clean. The match, I mean, was was fine. But we've seen them feud together anyway. So why would we want to see it again? on We saw it before on SmackDown. Uh, there's really, really, honestly, not many other people. Like Mojo Raleigh, who, who cares? No, no way, Jose, who gives a shit? Um... <laughs> <laughs> the mid card on on Raw is really like really desolate. I'm trying to think of other people he could feud with. Zach, right? Like I don't know. There's really not many other people for Ziggler to feud with either. So I mean, I'm not sure where. I mean, Rob, Braun maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, there's Finn. There's Elias. Elias. Oh, okay. I forgot about Elias. Elias and Rollins would work, but we already saw that for the IC title, and there's really no reason to rekindle that feud if it's not over the championship. Ziggler and Balor intrigues me. That's a match that really intrigues me. We've yeah. never seen it before. I think the match is really, really, really good. Balor just beat Corbin. He needs something new for for him to do. I like that for a SummerSlam match, but again, I just don't know what you do with Rollins if Ambrose and Jordan aren't back. Yeah, I, I, I you know, Dolphin Elias would be would be kind of cool. Dolphin Finn, you know, Finn was in that icy title picture with with Miz and Rollins during during WrestleMania. He never he never won, so maybe he'll go back at that. Um, but yeah, I think Seth in the, in, in the, the universal title picture, I think that's the way to go. Um, I think they, they're just taking too long. No, nobody wants to see gender and Baron Corbin and everybody else. You know, it, you know, it's so funny that when you, every time you mention Nova Jose or somebody from NXT you, that, that hasn't really done stuff, you always say, who gives a shit? Because it just feels like when they get up to the main roster and they are there for a little bit, they have their little wave of fanship and after a while they don't do nothing it's like who gives a shit about what they do like i don't give a shit what no way um jose does now at all no not at all the guy's a glorified (laughs) not even the glorified jobber is just a jobber the guy's a loser so again i mean there's there's a lot of people on raw more so on raw than smackdown that i just could not care less about i really can't there's really just on raw there's just a lot of people that that's why raw nowadays just feels like a show there's like the, the three matches, the two three-way matches we got this week, the two triple threats were great. Everything else, just filler. Mm. All filler. Just no one cared. Elias or Bobby Roode, no one cares about. No Way Jose, no one cares about. Mojo Raleigh, no one cares about. They really need to start making people matter again on Raw because right now just it's it's hard to care. You're right. Uh, even on Monday, I know, we, I know we, we now know Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns are going one-on-one, but what did you make of how they're doing this whole Brock Lesnar thing with Kurt Angle, Paul Heyman, if he don't show up, I'm going to strip him, and then you kind of find out, all right, he he, he will defend the, uh, the title at SummerSlam. He had his whole thing with UFC a week and a half before that uh, with Daniel Cormier, so he's back in the um, the drug testing pool, I think, back in January, so he'll he'll get a fight in the, in the UFC 
uh, sometime soon. But now, him at SummerSlam, we don't know who don't know who he'll wrestle. Does it kind of kind of make you think? All right, the 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 the, the tenure of Brock Lesnar with the with the WWE is kind of like coming to a close. Yeah, at least for now. I think he could still be under contract and just not appear. Um, I think the current plan might just have just might be to have him lose at SummerSlam, drop the championship, which is long, long, long overdue, mm-hmm. and then bring him back for WrestleMania season. I think they'll probably definitely make an attempt to have him back by that point, unless some other UFC fight comes up and he has to pull out. But uh, there's really no reason for him to appear at any other point between now and WrestleMania. So I'd have him lose at SummerSlam, and then we won't see him again until WrestleMania because. Um, there, there's really not much else for him to do. So yeah, I, I do feel like his tenure in WWE, at least temporarily, is coming to a, is definitely coming to a close. Yeah. What do you think is the percentage that the next fight Brock has with UFC? He walks into that match, or that that match, that fight, still Universal Champion. What do you think? Very low <laughs> or very high? <laughs> I mean, if you asked me a year ago if he would still be champion right now, I would have said no chance in hell. Uh-huh. So anything is possible, but very low. Very low. He's, they're not having him beat Roman Reigns again. They, they won't. They won't. So he's not. He's not going to do that. I think it would be so funny if the whole reason he's been champion this long is because they wanted to have a possibility where he beats Cormier for the UFC title and they have a simultaneous you know dual champion thing with a first-ever dual WWE UFC champion. But and then he loses. That would be hilarious. Like we have him as champion for so long, but then he loses to Cormier. But um, anyway, I don't think, I don't think they'll go that far with it because they probably realize that won't happen anyway. So yeah, no, I, I think he's dropping the belt at SummerSlam for sure. Do you think they the they lost a, a big time opportunity to not have Brock Lesnar go into that UFC cage not carrying the Universal Title? I don't know if it was their call or Brock's call. Call uh, Lesnar doesn't care. They really, I don't even know if they referred him as a WWE superstar when he showed up. I mean, let's be honest here. It really doesn't make sense for him to bring that belt into the octagon because <laughs> it's it's not real. You know what I mean? It's not a real sport. So it's not like he's jumping ship to another organization because it's not a real championship that he like legitimately won. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, here's my like, sh- it's like. I don't know. It's like uh, like Iron Man, like it's Robert Downey Jr. showing up in someone's movie is Iron Man. It's like that. It's it's not real. So I don't know. It's kind of a hard comparison to make. But you know what I'm saying. So I was thinking I about that. I'm like, oh, it would have been cool if he brought the belt. But it's like, why? Like, it's a prop. It's really all it is. He's not the actual champion of anything. So and it's not like he gives a shit about it anyway. So I'm sure he didn't care. He got paid regardless. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was a missed opportunity just because WWE picked up on it anyway on their website. They didn't mention it on Raw the next night. They did it this week, not last week. But yeah, I, I wasn't surprised he didn't bring the belt with him. Two quick things before I wrap it up. Uh, more so outside the ring. Um, we, we, we had an anniversary of CM Punk winning the title from John Cena at Money in the Bank. I think it was um, two days July ago. 17th, yeah, July 17th, yeah, 2011. So, so we're doing this on the 19th. So two days ago was the seven-year anniversary, already seven years, fuck. Um CM Punk defeated John Cena in Money in the Bank. And I did not read it. I saw you tweet it out. But I saw the headline. You said that, you know, Cena versus Punk is a reminder a reminder of a better WWE seven years ago. So I want to know real quick, you know, I did not read it. But what did you make that seven years ago, the company was in, in, in a better shape than it was now. The wrestling, the matches. Why do you say seven years ago was better than where we than where we at now? So what I basically said in the article was that the company overall was not as good as it is now. I mean, we have a better roster now. Mm-hmm. But what I basically emphasized in the article that I probably, I mean, the the title didn't really reflect that was that pay-per-view builds, I thought, were better back then than they are now. At least for some paper. I mean, let's look at Money in the Bank 2011. The build of that show was so good. And then they followed up on it by having a great show. It's very rare nowadays that... Forget the fact that we have good or bad pay-per-views, because we'll have great pay-per-views. The build of pay-per-views now is so bad. Mm -hmm. It's so bad. It's basically non-existent. No one gives a shit about these shows. They're like, oh, there's a pay-per-view tonight. I totally forgot. Like... The pay-per-views might end up exceeding expectations, 
Like, I thought Money in the Bank was a pretty good show, but not because the build was through the roof. Most people didn't really care about the show going in because the build was so bad. Money in the Bank, I thought, especially with that top-tier match, they captured lightning in a bottle with that Punk and Cena main event. They figured out a way to build it by taking a simple story like, oh, I'll I'll win the title and leave, and made it the most most must-see thing in wrestling in years. And it made the product a whole hell of a lot better. That whole summer season for WWE was so much more exciting than anything yeah. else I've seen in WWE this summer season. Um, what like bar none. So again, looking at the build of that pay per view, the execution of that pay per view, comparing that to Extreme Rules 2018 is night and day. Again, the product itself. If you watch Raw from that time period, they're not that much better at better at all. Raws weren't three hours yet, which is a plus. Um, but the wrestling is a lot better today. The roster is a lot better today. The brand splits a lot better today than it was back then, which was still in technically in effect, but really on its way out. Um, but just the pay-per-view builds themselves, they gave you a reason more often than not back in 2011 slash earlier to give a shit about those, about those shows. They gave you a reason to invest and want to see what happens and make every raw feel more musty than the last. I have not felt that way about raw in at least a year or so. And they need to work on that moving forward. You know, I I, I agree, man. I, I know I haven't read it, but I, I, I will. But just kind of hearing what you've been saying, the builds, the rivalries, the storylines, the characters, seven years ago, 20, 2011, I'm not even looking online, you had CM Punk, John Cena, Randy Orton, um, Seamus, Christian, uh, who was uh, Wade Barrett, uh, 2011? Who was who was missing? That was big time back then. I mean, compared to now, and then no storylines back then to what you see now is like you really wanted to see Money in the Bank 2011 because you there was a fear that CM Punk might just win and walk out because you really believe that they they really made you believe that CM Punk is about to walk fucking walk out of the company with the belt and it made you think where's it gonna go. It's going to go to New Japan, Ring of Honor with the belt. Um, so just that little sense of disbelief that you that you got back in the day that you don't get now, I think that's a very big part missing in today's wrestling. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the roster is better today. I mean, they had a lot of star power back then. The Orton and John Cena still on top. So take that for what it is. But the pay-per-view <laughs> build itself, I mean... Randy, you tweeted it out on Tuesday, and it gives me chills every single time I watch it. The video package for that Punk and Cena match was so goddamn good. That alone got you excited for the pay-per-view, not even knowing what else was on the show. And that show is widely remembered as one of the greatest pay-per-views of this decade. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's all because, not only because the pay-per-view was great. I mean, we had freaking Kelly Kelly versus Brie Bella. How good could the show be? Classic. But it's because the build, they captured lightning in a bottle with that build. And Chicago was great. The execution was great. They knew what they were doing. Not every show like that back then was great. I mean, Over the Limit 2011 was awful. WrestleMania 27 happened in 2011, and it was a terrible pay-per-view. So I'm not saying 2011, everything everything about that year was so much better than today. Um, but like with these network specials, it's not even that they happen so often because we're not even getting two a month anymore. We're having one once a month, and they're four hours long, and it's not even the length. There's four or five-hour New Japan shows that are better than this, so... It's not even that. It's just because they can't book a compelling product. I mean, they can. They just don't want to. So that's that's the issue. And again, that's I think that's the uh, real core of the problem with WWE nowadays. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Extreme rules. Damn near four hours. The fuck is this Royal Rumble? <laughs> come on, man. Really? <laughs> yeah. With, with, with what? I mean, one, come on. With Do we need a four-hour Carmella Oscar match? The answer is no. So yeah, they really need to cut back on that come, shit. Come on, man. You can't give me a four-hour Extreme Rules pay-per-view and have one Extreme Rules match. Yeah, no, exactly. If you're going to go all out and give us four-hour pay-per-views, they better be damn good and not giving me Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. It's like, come on, really? Like, just save it for the Raw shows. I rather, I would rather not see that. So right. I'd rather have a four-hour King of the Ring or a four-hour tournament than whatever we saw on Sunday. Real quick, just to kind of refresh your memory of Money in the Bank 2011, uh, obviously CM Punk, John Cena, you mentioned the classic between Kelly Kelly and uh, Brie Bella. Uh, we had Christian against Randy Orton for the World Heavyweight Championship. That's how long ago that was. Uh, we had Mark Henry defeat The Big Show. Uh, where we at? We had Daniel Bryan defeat Cody Rhodes, Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, Kane, Sin Cara, Sheamus, and Wade Barrett in a Money in the Bank ladder match. 
for a world heavyweight championship contract. And then we had Alberto Del Rio, wow, defeat Alex Riley. Holy shit. Evan Bourne, Jack Swagger, Kofi Kingston, The Miz, R-Truth, and Rey Mysterio in a ladder, Money in the Bank ladder match for WWE championship contract. Wow, Money in the Bank. So, hey, you know, <laughs> that's what it was, huh? A lot has changed. I mean, again, I love that show. The crowd, I mean, on paper, it's not the most amazing show of all time, but it really is. I mean, if you watch the show, it really lived up to the magic because not only was the main event epic, but Christian and Orton had another really, really good match. Um, the two ladder matches were great, too. Big Show and Mark Henry even exceeded expectations. But again, it was all about the build, yep. the crowd that night. We had never really seen anything like that. Back then, I mean, aside from ECW, One Night Stand, Sex, how often was it that crowds really got involved in the shows? You didn't really see some. You didn't really see audiences get behind someone like CM Punk like they do, like they did before that. Prior to that point, nowadays you see crowds trying to hijack the shows constantly. In Chicago, it made sense. Here, at extreme rules of the crowd chaining for the freaking countdown clock. Now that's just obnoxious. So, is it the product that's the problem or the fans? I'll be talking more about. I'll be talking more about that in an upcoming Bleach Report article. But um, yeah, the, the things. A lot of things have changed between 2011 and 2018, um, to say the least. With Alex Riley, once you threw that name out there, that's a real blast from the past. I think the only critique I have of that build with Punk and Cena, you might agree, is when when McMahon tells John Cena, "If you lose, you'll be fired," and when that usually when that happens, the other guy wins. So when you got Punk saying, if I win, I'm going to take the belt and go to Ring of Honor and do this. I'm leaving with the world title. I'm not going to resign my contract. And you, a sense of disbelief, like, okay, this, all right, he might just walk out and leave. And then when McMahon says, all right, John Cena, you know, you know what? Listen, if you lose, you're fired. Then the fan at home said, all right, CM Punk's going to win. That's the I, I, maybe I'm, I'm looking too much into it, but I think that's the only critique I would have. If Big Man would have never said that, you would still would have been watching that match. Like, hmm, okay, what what will happen if CM Punk won and left? You know? Yeah, no, that that was definitely kind of dumb. I mean, I, I I remember thinking in that time. Let's let's go back a little bit here, lest we forget that it was only mere months before that. That John Cena was fired in storyline. Remember the main event of Summer of Survivor Series 2010? It was like Orton and Wade Barrett. Yeah. If Orton won, Cena was fired. So Orton wins. He got quote-unquote fired. He was gone for all of a month before he was reinstated. And even then, even then, he was on TV anyway every single week interfering in matches. <laughs> so it's like, mm -hmm. did it even really matter? And they, they expect us to buy in the stipulation that Cena's actually getting fired. And right. he lost anyway, and he still wasn't fired. So, again, I think that was a kind of a silly stipulation. The match already had enough buzz. They did not need that stipulation on top of it. But, yeah, I agree. That was that was right. definitely dumb. You know, right? you, you know you know what? You're right. Seen the one that I get fired, too. Got a new belt <laughs> from fucking Rey Mysterio. Um, mm -hmm. Exactly. I guess anytime you put, hey, if you lose, you're fired, you just automatically know, hey, the other person's going to win. Um, mm -hmm. Real quick, Hulk Hogan is back. Um <laughs> I, I, th I think it's something that we kind of figured was going to happen sooner sooner than later. Uh, just It was inevitable. I think it's, what, been two or three years. Uh, when I say he's back, I'm not saying he's going to perform or wrestle. He's just back in their Hall of Fame, or they just took him back. He's, he's you know, not persona, persona non grata no more. Um, but, you know, there's been some wrestlers who have been having mixed reaction about that. Um, some are pretty much cool about it. Hey, welcome back, Hulkster. Um as a fan, does it bother you that he's back? And, and whether it's little capacity or not, does it kind of bother you that with everything that was said, he's back? Or do you feel like no matter what, people deserve a second chance? And the company has been known to show second chances to not only Hulk Hogan, but Macho and Bruno and Warrior and these guys. So it, it, you, you just knew it was bound to happen, right? No, yeah, it was more a matter of when than if that he'd be brought back by the company. I mean, people were saying, oh, he'd never be back. It's like, dude, it's fucking Hulk Hogan. The guy is the definition of pro wrestling. If it wasn't for him, we would not be where we are today. So it was obvious it was more a matter of when and, you know, than if he'd be re-signing with the company and be brought back in an ambassador role. And, uh, I mean, they wanted to die down until, you know, the hate kind of died down. And it did. 
But it didn't matter whether it was this week or next week or next year or 10 years. The reaction that people had to Hogan being reinstated, quote unquote, into the Hall of Fame was never going to change. There's always going to be those that are going to be offended. And that's completely okay. Um, I mean, it affected everyone differently depending on their race or whatever. It doesn't really even matter what it is. People were offended. You don't have to forgive them. And you're definitely not going to forget it. People are not going to forget this. It never will be forgotten. I mean, it might die down as it has in the last three years, but it will never be forgotten. And it's not imperative that people forgive him either. It's not mandatory that people forgive this guy for what he said. They don't have to forgive him. And Hogan should realize that. Not everyone's going to forgive him. But at the same time, he should continue to not apologize for getting caught, but apologize for what he said. And I think the best way to sum up my thoughts on the situation are if you just read the posts from Titus O'Neil and um, Kofi day, Kingston. Yeah. They put something out on Twitter the last couple of days talking about it, saying that we're not going to really – we're going to reserve judgment on this until Hogan proves that he's actually sorry and he's not sorry that he got caught. You know what I mean? So mm. definitely people should go out of their way to read their statements on the on um, on the whole Hulk Hogan situation on their Twitter accounts, respectively. Um, I think they summed it up perfectly in regards to how people – not how they should feel, but I, I think the best way to address it where – Hogan really needs to prove himself. This is only really the beginning of the process. WWE, it, it, he shouldn't be like Raw GM anyway. I think Hogan would be better off just appearing every now and again mm -hmm. and whatever. But as long as he can put this in the past, move forward, and continue to show that what he did was wrong, right. then I think that um, he can you know, hopefully win some more people over. But if he doesn't, it's fine. People will always be angry at him. He's just got to accept that and attempt to move forward with his life. I'm not sure why I always wait to the end, but uh, for those who hear the podcast, you can follow Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant. Great work for Bleacher Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can always find the podcast on both uh, SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast, and download, rate, comment, subscribe on, on iTunes. Give us me, Mark, who uh, on Twitter at Mark underscore Remondi, and uh, Graham Matthews, a shout to follow. Graham, always a pleasure, my man. Thanks, Randy. Always appreciate it. Hope to be back next week talking uh, wrestling with you, my friend. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Catch your ass down the road. Peace. All right.